We welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. I'd like for you to look with me here in 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to read a rather lengthy portion of Scripture this morning, and I think you'll find it as you read it. If you haven't read this passage of Scripture before, you'll find it uh, quite disturbing in many ways. But then I want you to think as you look around at all that's happening in our world, you find that quite disturbing, do you not? That is the world, as, as one has said, First and Second Kings, the theme of First and Second Kings is to show us what happens when God is forgotten. David, of course, we have studied a man who was after God's own heart, but then he, of course, at the end of his life, the kingdom was transitioned to Solomon. Solomon, as a young man, had a great start, but eventually his heart was turned away from the Lord, and by the time his son came into power and then the other kings who followed him, uh, they forgot the Lord. And so what we have portrayed in front of us this morning is what happens in a society when God is forgotten. And as I said a moment ago, we see that happening before our very eyes when we turn on the television, when we look at our computers or our smartphones and we see the news, uh, we see what is happening in a world where God has been forgotten. And so we read, beginning in verse 24 of 2 Kings chapter number 6, And it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host and went up and besieged Samaria. Now let me remind you that Samaria was the capital of the uh, northern kingdom. Israel was divided after uh, Solomon's son took over as king. It was divided between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Uh, the southern kingdom was, of course, headquartered in Jerusalem. The northern kingdom, the ten tribes that defected, uh, they established their own capital in Samaria. And so we find that the king of Syria has come against the ten northern tribes of Israel and in particular their capital city, Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. Because the enemy besieged the city and because of the famine, food was scarce. And they were selling the head of a donkey for 80 pieces of silver and they were selling doves' dung as well so that people could eat this stuff. But it only gets worse. Look at verse 26. And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord do not help thee, whence shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor or out of the wine press? a sarcastic response from him saying, there's nothing that I can do to help you. There's nothing in the barn floor. There's nothing in the wine press. And so in verse 28, the king 
said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give thy son that we may eat him today. And we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him. And she hath hid her son. And it came to pass that when the king heard these words, the words of the woman, that he rent his clothes. And he passed by upon the wall, and the people looked. And behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. Then he said, God do so more also to me if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, shall stand on him this day. But Elisha sat in his house, and the elders sat with him. And the king sent a man from before him, but ere the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, See ye how this son of a murderer, remember now, Joram, who is the king of Israel, was the son of Ahab and Jezebel. He said, This son of a murderer has sent to take away mine head. Elisha, the prophet of God, said, Here he comes to kill me. He said, Look, when the messenger cometh, Shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? The king's coming right behind him. And while he yet talked with them, behold, the messenger came down unto him and he said, Behold, this evil is of the Lord. What should I wait for the Lord any longer? Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Tomorrow, about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. And there were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city when the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come, and let us fall under the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. 
If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now, therefore, come that we may go and tell the king's household. So they came and called unto the porter of the city, and they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied, and the tents as they were. And he called the porters, and they told it to the king's house within. And the king arose in the night and said unto his servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done unto us. They know that we be hungry. Therefore are they gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, When they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. And one of his servants answered and said, Let some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain, which are left in the city. Behold, they are as all the multitude of Israel that are left in it. Behold, I say, they are even as all the multitude of the Israelites that are consumed. These were weak, frail horses. Let us send and see. They took therefore two chariot horses and the king sent after the host of the Syrians saying, go and see. And they went after them unto Jordan, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king, and the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. We find in this passage a distressed city. It's the city of Samaria, a city of people that had forgotten God, a city that was oppressed by a famine and besieged by an enemy, a city of hopelessness and despair. Uh, we find that in that city was a doubting man. Though he was told that God would turn the thing around, he doubted. In verses 17 through 20, where we stopped reading, we find what happened to him. When he opened the gates of the city to allow the people to leave the city and go to the camp, they were so desperate to get to the food, so hungry, they actually created a stampede and they... They trod, the Bible says, upon him. They walked over him and he died. We find in this story some diseased men, leprous men. They had no place in the city because they had this awful, dreadful, communicable disease called leprosy. They could not live among the inhabitants of the city The enemy had besieged them. They also were experiencing the famine. They were hopeless men. They went into the camp and they found that the foe had been defeated. The army that had besieged Samaria was gone. It was mysterious. No one knew exactly what had happened, but God tells us what happened. He caused them to hear a noise, a noise that frightened them and shook them to the core, a noise that caused them to run for their lives and leave everything behind. And then we see that the city was delivered a starving people, a desperate people, a despairing people bound in darkness behind the walls of isolation 
were set free and they enjoyed the blessings of God because God had won the victory for them. It's really an amazing thing how that in the midst of a, of a, of a culture and a people and in a time when God is forgotten, God still bestows mercy. We're living in troubled times, but we still experience the mercy and grace of God. But how did he choose to do it? In a very unusual way. And I want you to go back with me and look at verse number eight. In verse number eight, the Bible says, and when these lepers came, what an unusual group of people for God to use. Four men who had leprosy, forgotten by their own people, outcasts of their own people, besieged by the enemy, dying from within from this dreadful disease. They came to the camp and found it empty. And the Bible says they went in and they began to eat. They began to take the silver and the gold. They began to hide it. In verse number nine, I call your attention to this verse. Then they said, and we or then they said rather one to another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings. I thought it was a day of trouble. It was a day of trouble, but I want you to know that it was also a day of good tidings. I want to speak to you on that subject this morning, a day of good tidings. We read the news and the reports. We see the violence in our cities we see the violent attack uh, of Hamas against the people of Israel. We know that everything that is unfolding in our world today is unfolding in a culture that has forgotten God. But we also know that there is a God in control on the throne of heaven who is bringing everything to pass as he said it would. And Jesus said that when you see these things happening, when you see these things coming to pass, don't be troubled. Understand that God's plan is unfolding before our very eyes and that the coming of the Lord is near. And even though we live in this time of trouble, it is also a day of good tidings. And this is the lesson that we learn from these four leprous men. And I want you to note three lessons that we learned from them. And I'll invite you to write them down. In fact, I hope you will so that you'll remember them. First of all, we learned the lesson of their salvation. The lesson of their salvation. What do we know about these men? We know that they were diseased. They were leprous men. And where were they? They were at the entering end of the gate. They were near to the walls of the city, but they couldn't go into the city. Why? Because they had this awful, dreadful disease called leprosy. It destroyed them from within. Every day they could see a new wound, uh, the progression of the disease as it began to eat away at their fingers and their ears and their nose. As it worked its way from the flesh into the organs of their body and eventually would kill them. They were diseased men, and as such, they were men who were not allowed to come into the city. You know, leprosy is a picture of sin and its effects upon us. Sin is a universal condition. The Bible said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
It is a condition that defiles us. It is a condition that destroys us. You see, these men had a terminal disease. Not only were they diseased, but they were dying. The Bible says, and they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? They knew they were dying. The word of God tells us that the wages of sin is death. But not only do we see that these men were diseased and they were dying, but we see that they were daring. They weren't just complacent men. They weren't just willing to sit there in that situation in, in pity and despair until they died. They were daring men who launched forward. Look at verse 4. If we say we will enter into the city, that's the city of Samaria, then the famine is in the city and we shall die there. Even if they let us in, there's no hope for us there. And if we sit still here, we die also. If we go in the city, we're dead. If we sit here, we're dead. There's only one thing left to do. Now, therefore, come and let us fall under the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. These are some profound thinkers right here, right? If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. We've got nothing to lose. Now, therefore, come and let us fall under the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, and we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, nobody was there. The animals were there. The tents were there. All the stuff was there. The fires were burning. The food was cooking. The freezer was full. But nobody was home. What a wonderful thing. You see, not only were they diseased, not only were they dying, not only uh, were they daring, but I want you to note that they were delivered. Look at verse 6. Here's how it happened. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise, a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. These guys were hearing things. <laughs> they were hearing an army coming after them. And they started looking around. And they said, do you hear that? And they said, yes, I do. What is it? It's an army, a big one. We're not ready. We're not prepared. Let's run. And so they ran. God overthrew their enemy and defeated them. By the way, may I say this to you? The enemy of sin, the enemy of the world, the flesh and the devil that encompasses us, the Lord Jesus Christ has defeated that enemy. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. That's anything we hear about, anything we read about, anything that we learn about, anything that comes against us, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors through him. He has won the victory for us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 54, so when this corruptible, that means this sin-cursed body, shall have put on incorruption, 
when we receive the glorious uh, message of the gospel and the eternal life that is ours through Jesus Christ our Lord. And when this mortal, this dying body shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? We'll come into the camp, but we'll see no enemy. That's what he's saying. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We are victors through Jesus Christ. In Psalm 24, we have the psalm of his ascendancy into heaven. The Lord of hosts comes nigh the gates of heaven. He says, lift up your head, O ye gates. Lift up your head, O ye everlasting doors. The king of glory shall come in. And the voice from heaven says, who is the king of glory? And he says, the Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Do you know what Jesus Christ is? He's the captain of our salvation. He is the captain of our army. He is the conqueror. He is the one who came to this earth born of a virgin and became a man without ceasing to be God. He went into the wilderness and withstood the temptation of Satan. He uh, bore in his body our sins and our iniquities. He made the payment on the cross of Calvary, suffered and bled and died and gave up the ghost for you and I, was buried in the tomb, but came forth on the third day, the Lord of glory, strong and mighty in battle. He won the victory for you and I. They learn a lesson from their salvation. And here they are, man. They're running from tent to tent. Hey, there's some chicken in here. There's some roast beef in here. Oh, man, there's some prime rib in here. And look at these clothes. Oh, we've just got rags. We're lepers. There's some gold and there's some silver. You see, the Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us with spiritual blessings. Look in verse 8 of 2 Kings 6. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried then silver and gold and raiment and went in and hid it and came again and entered into another and carried thence also and went and hid it. They were enjoying the blessings of, of God's salvation and you and I are able in these troubled times to live in his victory, his triumph over sin and death and to enjoy the blessings of God. By the way, it's good to remind ourselves of that every once in a while. Lesson number one, the lesson of their salvation. Lesson number two, the lesson of their silence. Verse 9, they're eating, they're dining, they're having a great time. They're trying on garments. They're weighing the gold and the silver. They're rejoicing in the blessings. But something happens to them. Verse 9, then they said one to another, we do not well. This day is the day of good tidings, good news. Good news in the midst of troubled times, yes. The word tidings simply means news, an account of what has taken place, something that was not before known. There's some people back in that city 
as far as they know, the enemy's still here. They don't know that all of this bounty and all of this supply is available to them. Only we know it, and we're enjoying it. And these are good tidings. You know what the word gospel literally means? It means the good news. There is good news. And by the way, there is true news in this era of fake news. And do you know where we find the true news? We find it in the Word of God. If you want to interpret what's going on in, in Israel, interpret it in the light of God's truth. We know that the Jews, the people that God called with Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees are going to be hated and despised. We know that the nations are going to come against Jerusalem. We know that it is there that Jesus will return and establish his throne. And we know that when we see these things unfolding as they're unfolding before us today, that we can lift up our head because our redemption draws nigh. And so we have a wonderful opportunity to report the good news the message of the gospel, the message of hope in the midst of despair. Paul said it this way, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What is the gospel? It's the message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died. Why did he die? For my sin. That's why he died. He was buried and he rose again the third day. He rose triumphant over death and hell and the grave to give eternal life to all who will believe. And so Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The power of God to save souls and change lives is in the message of the gospel. As we moan and lament about all the tragic things that are unfolding in our world and all the difficulties we're having, may we understand that we hold within our hands the power of God. All we have to do is unleash it. Unleash it. One moment, one sentence, one word, one phrase at a time. Declare the gospel. And we know who is seeking to silence us. It's the devil. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 3, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, that's the devil, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Do you know what the devil is seeking to do to the church? He's seeking to distract us from our purpose. He wants us to be content to sit in the tent and have a fashion show and a banquet. That's what he wants us to do. Let's have another dinner. Let's have another fashion show. I'm speaking in the context of the scripture. To just wallow in the blessings rather than do the work that God has given us to do, which is to declare the gospel. He's seeking to intimidate us and to silence us and to scare us and to stop us from declaring the message of the gospel. That's Satan's work. But it is our responsibility and privilege to deliver that message. Jesus said to his disciples, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, ye are the light of the world. And if the light is hidden under a bushel, how's anybody going to receive light? So it's our responsibility to shine 
When the angels appeared to the shepherds in Bethlehem, they said to those shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. They were under Roman oppression. They were experiencing trouble. But God said, this is a day, the angel said, this is a day of good tidings. The Son of God has been born. And the Bible tells us in Luke 2 and verse 17 that when those shepherds saw that, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. It is our responsibility to make the saying known to our friends, to our family, to our coworkers, to those that we shop with, those that we do business with our neighbors, our community. It is the responsibility of the church, the pillar and the ground of the truth to declare the message of the gospel. But may we understand as those leprous men understood as they sat there holding the garments and eating the the fried chicken and they said, we do not well. This is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. Quiet. We're silent. We're scared. Well, then thirdly, we learn the lesson of their story. We learn the lesson of their salvation. They were delivered. We learn the lesson of their silence. They were convicted. Then we learn the lesson of their story. They arose and went. Look at verse 9. Now, therefore, come, that we may go and tell the king's household. This this is the time to act. Verse 10, so they came and called unto the porter of the city, and they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied in the tents as they were. And he called the porters and they told it to the king's house within. And the king said, this has got to be an ambush. So they they said to the king, let's send a group out and let's see what we can find. And they came back with the report. They've ran. They left stuff all along the path. Something scared them. Something spooked them. They have left. And so they opened the gates of the city and the people went out into the city. And just as Elisha the prophet had said, The price of food went down. It was readily available to all. And all who were starving and in despair within received the blessings and lived in the salvation that God had provided. Fanny Crosby, the famous hymn writer, wrote these words, Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed his birth, glory to God in the highest, peace and good tidings to earth. Fasting alone in the desert, tell of the days that he passed, how he was tried and was tempted, yet was triumphant at last. Tell of the years of his labors. Tell of the sorrows he bore. He was despised and afflicted, homeless, rejected, and poor. Tell of the cross where they nailed him. 
dying in anguish and pain. Tell of the grave where they laid him. Tell how he liveth again. Tell me the story of Jesus. That's what a desperate, dying, troubled generation needs to hear. The story of Jesus. And who better to tell them than the leprous ones who realized they were dying and fell on the mercies of God and experienced his salvation. I want you to know there's no political candidate that will deliver our nation. There's no movement that anybody can start that will fix the ills of this nation and this world. The only hope we have is in Jesus. And this group of lepers who have tasted the goodness of God are the only people who can bring hope to this dying world. May God help us. We do not well. This is a day of good tidings. And we hold our peace. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.